Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bernard. Thank you. Well, um, I, I was trying to turn the Christmas tree lights on, by the way, and I turned on the disco ball. So um, that didn't quite work. <laughs> we, had a, we, had a, we had a wedding here yesterday, big wedding, and um, Ben Colville very kindly and Angus very kindly have got us lights that we've got shining. We're going to get these lights sorted soon. Please pray that we get them sorted soon. Today is a good day. The stars have aligned, and I can bring a vision message, which we all love, because we need, apparently, to know what we're about and what we're going after. And also, I get to do that from the sermon series that we're doing going through the Bible, which is good too. So I get to speak today on uh, the passage where David is in a Dullam's cave. Just two verses you'll be pleased to hear after the marathon passage I read to you last week. Two verses, David is in Adullam's cave, and I love that I get to speak on this. I, I almost didn't get to speak on this, because I so want to, you know, involve, you know, I don't want my voice to be the only voice that you hear, and so I love to include people who I think God is on to, uh, to speak, who have a gift to communicate the word of God to us. And as I was apportioning scriptures to different people for various reasons, I couldn't speak on this message. And I had to give it to Bola. And I, was, I made my peace with not being able to share on this. And then Bola, who I think is uh, visiting Nigeria, her flight was changed to this morning and not tonight. And so two weeks ago, I found that I get to speak on this. And I'm so happy uh, because I love... I love this passage, I love this prophetic word that is over us, and I'm really pleased that I get to speak on it this morning. So just to recap, when we left David last week in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 20, he has just had a very painful, emotional uh, parting from a very dear friend who was the son of King Saul, who is seeking to kill David. David uh, went from there to uh, the priests at Nob to, uh, to find food for the journey, and he also, in that time, took Goliath's sword. But he went from there to Gath, to a Philistine town, and to a Philistine king. And don't forget, the Philistines... David has been at war with the Philistines for years. David gathered up 200 foreskins of Philistine men as the bride price when he married Saul's daughter. So David is not a friend to them. But for some reason, David thinks that that is the place to go to. And I kind of get it, because to use... Our, our language today, church hurt, is a very real thing, isn't it? We expect that we will be hurt by people who are not within the church, but we, it always shocks us and it surprises us and it really hurts when it's people within the church who hurt us. I think that's how David felt. My Lord, my King, is out to kill me. And what have I done? I've done nothing. And David felt that the place that he should go was to his enemy's courts. And we see that in believers, don't we? Who when they're hurt in the church, they think, I'll find comfort there. 
I won't find it here, I'll find it there. But all we find is further spiritual decline and not comfort. And in, in Gath, David feigns madness. He realises he's not safe. This place that I thought I was going to find comfort, having been hurt, where I thought I was going to be welcome, this place is dangerous. This place is even more dangerous for me. And he escapes. He escapes to Adullam's cave, and that's what I'll be speaking on today. Now, just to state the obvious, caves are places of death. Caves, caves are places where tombs are laid. Yeah? When David goes to Adullam's cave, he's dead. He's dying. There is no place he can go. He's been driven out of his hometown, the place where he would love to serve the king. He can't even find comfort and safety in the places of his enemy. And so he goes to a place to die. He goes to a place of death. Let's read the passage today. Two verses. Only two verses. So David departed from there, that's Gath, and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. So as I say, you've, you've already heard me say it today. We are asking God to fulfill a prophetic word over us that we at Croydon Jubilee Church will become like an Adullam's cave. And the word of the prophetic word was where the, the depressed and the indebted and the discouraged can come and find hope and healing. In the passage, the exact words are distress and debt and everyone who was bitter in soul. That may just be this translation. I haven't looked at another one. But anyway... It's a prophetic picture that I love. I, I, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so, it just resonates with me. It's something that I really want God to do among us. It's something that I want him to do in us, and it's something that I want him to do through us, that people really will come to us who are depressed and in debt and discouraged, and that they will find hope and healing with us. Now today's passage, these two verses, it has a challenge and it has an encouragement. And I'm aware, despite being so happy and loving that I know Jesus, uh, I'm aware I'm not always the cheeriest of preachers. So I'm going to bring the challenge first and the encouragement second, try and end on a high. All right. So I'm going to bring the challenge first and the encouragement second. And the challenge of today's Two verses comes from a little phrase at the end. And it says, and he became commander over them. David became commander over them, over the people who gathered to him. Now that doesn't sound too challenging and it might not challenge you personally. But you know, that is so challenging in the world that we live in today. That someone would be a commander over anyone. We live in a world, don't we, that completely distrusts leadership, that views any position of authority with total suspicion. 
And because that's the cultural waters that we're swimming in, we can be influenced by it. And this isn't just in the world. We've seen, haven't we, in recent years, Christian leaders falling from grace. And we are crying out for godly leadership. We are crying out for men and women who practice what they preach. We know, don't we, if you've, if you've never experienced it personally... I guarantee that every single person in here will have met someone who has been hurt by controlling or manipulative or spiritually abusive leadership within the church. It's a real thing. It's a real shame. But God gives us leaders. And that God gives us leaders is a good thing. Christian leaders, and I say this to myself should lead knowing that one day they're going to have to give an account before God for the way that they have led. And they should lead knowing that. They should lead conscious of that. I remember when I came back to faith, something that I really struggled with, and I don't struggle with this anymore, I really struggled with the idea that I was going to become more like Jesus. All right, And I'll tell you why I struggled with this. Because I thought, if I'm going to become more like Jesus, and if they're going to become more like Jesus, we're all going to be the same and it's going to be really boring. If, if we are all perfectly good and all perfectly patient and all perfectly kind, my sense of humour is out the window. Because I was sarcastic and I was mean and I like to take the mickey out of people, now what do I do? Because I can't do that anymore. We're going to be like, we're just going to be really lovely and really like beige. It's going, to be, it's going to be odd. I have since learnt to enjoy changing desires. And it's funny, there are times, and I'm sure you all experience this as well, when something happens or someone says something and you catch a glimpse, not, not necessarily of, I'm going to respond the way I used to, but of just a, a, a thought of, I would have responded like that. I would have done that. And, you, and in those moments, you kind of give thanks that, God, thank you that you're at work. Thank you that you're changing me. Thank you that although I could have responded with sarcasm or with, uh, you know, with slightly mean-spirited banter, Actually, you've made me compassionate. You've made me understanding. You've made me want to... You've made, you, you've made me desire different things. Because we, we, we've, got to, we've got to be realistic. We, we love, don't we? We love saying to people, being a Christian isn't about a list of do's and don'ts. Of course it is. Of course it is. It absolutely is. But it's not only that. It's not only that. And we do enjoy growing to know Jesus more. To use the language of today's verses, that's because Jesus has become commander over us. He has become commander over us. And sorry to repeat myself, but this is something the world struggles with. This is a stumbling block to people to coming to faith. What, you mean I need to change? You mean I need to let Jesus speak into my life? It is a stumbling block. 
We live in a world that says that my truth doesn't have to be your truth. We live in a world that says I'm justified in thinking how I think, feeling how I feel, doing what I do. And you can't say anything. This can be true. This can be found in the church. And 2 Timothy says this. Remember, this is the challenge. We're getting to the encouragement soon. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus. And what you've heard from me, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And then to stray slightly from the language of soldier and commanding officer, Paul says this, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. We need a commander. We need a commander. We cannot figure out this faith journey that we're on ourselves. We cannot even figure it out together apart from this tradition that we're in and these things that we have received which came from God. We cannot do it together without being devoted to the word of God and to the Spirit's leading. None of us can. It's so important that we are devoted. God, what would you say? God, what would you do? We're devoted to God's revelation of himself in Scripture. And that's not an, an activity that is, is devoid of the Holy Spirit's work. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. And so we're praying, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you lead me? Would you, would you reveal more and more of yourself to me from your word? Would you teach me to love your scripture more? And would you come to me more and more as I see you in scripture? You see, what Paul was saying to Timothy, it's, it's not what you think. It's not what you think. It's what you've heard. It's what's been passed on to you. It's, it's, some, it's, it's outside of you. It's not your thoughts, your feelings. It's God's. It's absolutely God's. And we need to remember, don't we? I, I won't read it because it's too long, but I was reading in preparation. Isaiah 55. What an amazing chapter. What an amazing chapter. You know, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. They are high above. As, far, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways. And, and we struggle with this. We struggle with this. We, we walk around, maybe not you, I walk around, I walk around, and you know, it's not often that I go, God, am I justified in thinking like this? Are these my thoughts or are these your thoughts? Because I know that your thoughts aren't my thoughts. Your thoughts are higher than mine. Are these thoughts that I'm thinking now mine or are they yours? There's a movie uh, that I love, just, just thinking about this picture of an army and, and the fact that we are taking on the character of our commanding officer. There, there, is a, there, there, there are things that we must do and not do. There are things that are fitting and not fitting in an army. There's a movie that I love, it's an old movie, so if you're younger than me, you probably won't know it, because I'm amazed that I know it. Um, it's a movie, some of you are going to know it. Um, 
Heartbreak Ridge. <laughs> Heartbreak Ridge with Clint Eastwood. Anyone know it? No? <sighs> yes. Heartbreak Ridge with Clint Eastwood. It's an amazing, it's a, an amazing war movie. He's an army commander, but he himself is a maverick. And, and he gets put in charge of this maverick company, this, this bunch of absolute misfits. And, and basically, he's been put there in this position basically because the army want to get him out and they know that if he fails here they'll be able to get him out and so Clint Eastwood's got this ragtag bunch of uh, misfits completely insubordinate people and slowly slowly and in a way that only Clint Eastwood can he breaks them he totally breaks them and and he makes out of them a unit a company an army not of individuals, but a unit. There is no place for individualism in the church. In an army, your, what you want is not as important as what, what does this unit need. You know, an army isn't a bunch of individuals, it's a coordinated lot. They do things together, they move in unison, they know the rules and they live by them. There is no place for individualism in an army. Love for self is replaced by love for each other. And it's why we preached through 1 Corinthians 13. It's why when we were looking at Judges, we kept talking about the canonization of Israel and how we need to be on guard against that in the church. Because, because we live in a world that is me, 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 what I think, what I feel, that's the most important thing. And, and we say, no, actually, that just leads to breakdown. What we need is, is greater love for one another. What we need is greater compassion, greater understanding. We need more of this. Before we're anything, we want to be good soldiers. Before, before any goal that we might have, before any strategy that we might employ to achieve any goal that we might have, before any of that, we want to be good soldiers. We want to take on the character of our commanding officer. There is a call to holiness on us. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And so often I see there's that kind of that arrogance. You know, I'm running really well. I'm looking around everyone else. I'm not even sure they're awake. And we get to the finish line and God says, you took a shortcut. You came out of your lane. You only get crowned if you compete according to the rules. A good soldier takes on the character of the commanding officer and lives that way. It's patient, it's kind. Doesn't envy, doesn't boast. All that stuff that we preached about. That's this morning's challenge. Ready for the encouragement? I hope that wasn't too challenging. I've got a, an equally, well, as, a, as challenging as that was, I've got an encouragement for you now. So, they have an encouragement. The encouragement is found where the men gathered to David. The encouragement is found where David was. David was able to make an army out of a bunch of, uh, of distressed indebted, bitter in soul people because David was distressed 
indebted and bitter in soul himself. David was as good as dead in what tomorrow could have been a tomb, holed up in a graveyard, distressed. And people came and found him there. And not only did they find him there, but he found a new strength there. He took responsibility for these people as they came to him. Isn't that, and that's not just my responsibility here, is it? We take responsibility for one another. We say, actually, I'm gonna, I can see, being compassionate for other people, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there for them. I'm going to lead. We're going to lead together. But David wasn't just any man, and this isn't about me, so forgive me for that comment. This isn't about me. David wasn't just any man. He was anointed by God to be king over the people of Israel, and also he was a man after God's own heart. The Bible says that of David, doesn't it? He was a man after God's own heart. So David had a unique role to play in shaping this army. No one else could have done it. We see it when, when, uh, when Saul came into a cave to relieve himself. And, and these, this army of Davids said, David, now's your opportunity. God has given him into your hands to kill him. And David was like, no. You don't know the character of our commanding officer if you think that. I can't raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. And David demonstrated to them there, no, to, to, to be to be an, an office, to be an officer, to be a soldier in the Lord's army, that we don't do that. That isn't what we do. And he, he cut the corner off of his garment. We saw when, when you know, as, as David is in Adullam's cave, and I'm, I haven't read all of this, Saul was sat under a tree with his spear in his hand. And we know how readily Saul threw his spears at people. Saul is sat under a tree, fixated on finding and killing David. You know, how, how, how much does sin blind us? Saul is totally blinded by his, his envy and his just selfish ambition. While, while Saul is under a tree, trying to get people to tell him where David is, the city of Keilah, the Israelite city of Keilah, just across the border from uh, Philistia, is it Philistia? Philistia? Philistine lands. Um, David's like, man, I'm not the king anymore. I'm in hiding, but these, this city's under siege. David and his army go and save Keilah. The people who are with David are like, but David, we're so scared. We're already scared here. How much more scary is it going to be if we go there? And David inquires of God and David leads them. And these, this army grow. David teaches them what it means to be an army, a soldier in the Lord's army. Where am I? David had all of this promise. Here's, here's the encouragement. David had all of this promise. He, God had said to him through Samuel, you're going to be prince over my people. You know, your kingdom is going to last forever. There will always be a son of David sat on the throne. David knows this. But David, because he's a soldier in the Lord's army, he didn't fight. He didn't resist. He didn't, he didn't go, you know, jockeying around for position. He didn't go around sinfully whispering in ears to try and curry influence and favor. He was just... He just Honoured Saul, honoured God's anointed, and he left, even though it meant letting go of, 
of any expectation that this word over him would be fulfilled. He just left. How different are God's ways from our ways? How often do we see people fighting for to hold on to what positions they think they have and what is theirs? This is mine and they fight and they tussle and it's so wrong. God does something totally different. True soldiers in his army know this. How unpredictable are his ways. And what a picture of Jesus this is. What a picture of Jesus this is. This is in Philippians. Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant and being found in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Our commanding officer knows what it's like to be us. Our commanding officer took on human flesh, lived a human life. He knows every stress and pressure that we can ever feel. He was tempted in every single way, and yet he was without sin. The fact that that is our commanding officer is such an encouragement. There is is no need in any of us for wearing a mask, for putting on a show, for pretending that everything's okay, We have a commanding officer who gets us. And that isn't just because we know a verse that says he knows our frame, he knows how we were made. It's because he came and he lived our human experience. He knows how you feel. He knows everything you go through. As I say, I wonder how often... You take a moment to, to ask, God, is, you know, am I justified in thinking how I'm thinking, speaking how I'm speaking, acting how I'm acting? Are these my ways or are these your ways? I can't speak for you, but I am often confronted by my need for Jesus. I often feel, man, I really need you. You know, I, 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 I speak harshly to Cheryl or to the kids And I think, man, Jesus, I really need you. That wasn't okay. They didn't deserve that. I feel my heart wander in my affections for him. And I pray, God, would you keep me? Would you keep me close? And you know, I'm guilty of two sins that I think, if we're honest, are very common for all of us. I say two things to generalize. I'm not really like that. There's just a lot going on. It's not really how I am. It's, 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 it's all this stuff outside of me. It's the pressure of all of these situations. That's not really me. Do you know, it is really me. When I speak to my family harshly, do you know, it's not the stress of life. It's me. It's me. It's a part of me that I don't like and that I don't see very often, but when I see it, I'm under no illusion, it's me. And I want it to die. 
I want to go to that place of death with Jesus. And I want to find that resurrection life. I want to find that change that is ours because the Holy Spirit lives in us. Because, because now the Holy Spirit lives in us, we, we, are, we are actually empowered to live holy lives. Before, we just couldn't. Without the Holy Spirit, we just couldn't. No matter how hard we tried, you know, our finest efforts, they were filthy rags. Now, because the Holy Spirit lives in us, we can please God. We can live to please God. The other sin that I commit, as I lie to myself, it doesn't happen that often. Doesn't that happen that often? It's okay. And I minimise the seriousness of my sin. And that just makes a mockery, doesn't it, of Jesus' death. My sin is serious. He needed to die for me. How has my encouragement turned into, how's this happened? <laughs> oh. I'm honestly a very happy person. <laughs> oh dear. Gosh. Romans tells us this if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more, now that we're reconciled to him, shall we be saved by his life? Yeah? I'm really pleased to hear an amen. I'll say it again. If while we were enemies, we, so the cue is afterwards I want a big like rousing. Yeah, amen. Right, so here we go. If while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. So we were enemies. And while we were enemies, God reconciled us to himself through his son. How much more? Yeah. So if God showed this amazing love to us while we were his enemies, how much more? Okay, are you getting where we're going? Now that we are reconciled to him, we are. It's like it's a done deal. He's not like, like the returns policy is, is long gone. It's for, it's for good. It's for keeps. All right. Now that we're reconciled to him, shall we be saved by his life? Amen. Amen. There we go. That's a bit better. I, I want to bring this to an end. Brothers and sisters, I really... You know, that, that, that is my challenge and encouragement. The challenge is that we have a commanding officer. We're called to holiness. We need to live and take on the character of our commanding officer. And, and if you're anything like me, if you're honest, the rubber, that, that, that is, it is at odds with the way I think and behave and speak more often than I care to accept. I, I worry that because we have been Christians for so long, many of us, that we just think we're sorted. And those two lies of, it's, it's not me, there's just a lot going on. Oh, I, don't, I don't do it that often, it's okay. That actually, they, those things are obstacles to us really growing in God. And no matter how long you have walked with him, there is much more growth still. I really want to see this prophetic word worked out among us. I'm, I, as I say, I get more excited about this living as godly people, having a community where the love of God is, is so evident, that is the stuff that, that I, I get really excited about. That's the stuff that I dream of, that people would see that we're different. You know, that, that whole idea of belonging before believing, you know, I think, man, that's rubbish. I want people to, to be among us and to go, flipping heck, I'm so different to them. 
what, what must I do to be saved? You know, that there's that kind of, actually, you guys have got something that I don't have. And, and the more I get to know you, I thought I was like you, and that's why I started hanging out with you. But actually, the more I hang out with you, the more I realize I'm totally different. What is it that you've got? Oh, we've got Jesus. You know, we know him. We, we've, we've been forgiven and we've been brought into a relationship with him and he lives within us. Where am I? I am going to finish in a moment. I think, yeah, that's it. If we are going to see, if we are going to see God work out among us, that we would become like an Adullam's cave where the depressed, the indebted and the discouraged come to find hope and healing, we have to realise, every single one of us, that we are the depressed and indebted and discouraged. We are the ones who are on that journey to grow in Christ-likeness, to take on the character of our commanding officer. Because, do you know, absolutely no one wants to come and have good done to them. Absolutely no one wants to walk through a door here and feel like a project that all of these sorted people are going to sort out. No one wants that. It, it, may, it, it actually repels people from us. But a people who are on a journey themselves, a people who accept their own weaknesses, their own failings, but who come to a God who loves them confidently, boldly, in expectation that he will change us, That is an attractive people. That is a people that someone can come to and go, do you know what, that God that's at work in them, I want him to be at work in me. The power that I see at work in their lives today, not a tale of the power at work in your God 20, uh, at work in your life 20 years ago. God did something in me 20 years ago and ever since then I've been totally sorted and I can tell you how. All right? That is not what we are about. We are on a journey. We are getting to know Jesus. We are becoming more and more like him every single day. And until the day that we die, that process will not be complete. And so from now until the day that we die, we are on a journey of becoming more like him, of learning to love him better, of learning to love one another better, of learning to to extend his love to the world around us better. That's what we are going to be about. Let's pray.